1: Been, uh, it's been too long. It's been too long, Jeff Goodman. My name is Rob Doss. We are here. It is the field of 68 after dark, the first after dark of the season where we actually have college basketball games to talk about. Jeff, I am sitting here right now. I am watching Virginia. Uh, they're they're kind of pulling away from North Carolina Central right now. I'm watching the raining. Uh, well, not the reigning national champs, but the number one team in the country, North Carolina, struggle a little bit with UNC Wilmington. We have Illinois on another TV. I have USC on another screen. It is, it's is—it's great to be back in college basketball season where you just have this flood of information flying at you. What's going on, man? How you doing?
2: It is great. I mean, it, like I looked at the slate and I was like underwhelmed. But then when the game started going, it was almost like the the issue was every game was kind of the same tonight. So you didn't know which game to watch because they're all by games for the most part, uh, other than in and, and credit to this guy, uh, Bruce Pearl. I'm going to wear this tonight just for Bruce Pearl because he actually scheduled somebody. So I want to give him some props, give him some credit. He scheduled a dangerous George Mason team that he beat, not easily, but like they controlled it for the most part. So uh, kudos to Bruce Pearl. But anyway, it, it's great to be back. Even though I have to see your sorry ass every single night, love it.
1: You love it. Are you
2: going to wash that it. Daddy Brad shirt ever?
1: Yes, I do. It's actually uh, it's nice and clean. I literally just did a load of laundry uh, today, so I just you might you can even see the wrinkles from coming out of the dryer today, man. Right. <laughs> so let, let's let's dive into what happened tonight because it was we were talking about this a little bit off air. It was it was very much a night where everything happened. And it feels like none of it was really all that meaningful. So take me through, what what was the biggest story for you tonight? What's your biggest takeaway from what we saw on the first night of college basketball season?
2: Well, I, I think, again, probably for me, it was the the lack of star freshmen. And you had a lot of them that weren't playing at all. Nick Smith has a minor knee injury. He doesn't play tonight for Arkansas. Uh, Duke's duo two of their, their their best two players uh at least ranked Derek Lively um and Derek Whitehead both didn't play tonight and we don't know how much longer I think Lively would be back sooner than than Whitehead um you know you Cam Whitmore from Villanova mm-hmm. another one so that's like four of the top 15 players in the country that didn't play at all tonight. So usually I feel like we have this huge bang with with the freshmen. And, you know, somebody has Zion a few years ago, comes out of the gates and has this monster performance. And it's not just him. It's a bunch of freshmen. Tonight we really didn't have that. The best freshman performance might have been Grady Dick of of Kansas. 23 points, shot the hell out of the ball. That's probably, I think, more of what we're going to see from Grady Dick. I think he might be, along with Jalen Wilson, who had a great night, he might be the two guys that carry them offensively. Now, I don't know if Grady can guard you, but he, he can score. He can really, really score. And he can he can jump a lot higher than you, it's shown by uh that oh, one yeah. dunk. That yeah. yeah, we
1: saw dunk. we saw that dunk. Um, yeah. the I think that part of the reason why we're having that debate and having that conversation is because of the issues that we have in college basketball on opening night. And to me, that's the single biggest storyline in the sport coming out of the first night. It's like why do we have to sit here and try to manufacture hype for games that like, let's be honest, if this was uh, the middle of January, would anybody be paying attention to a game like St. Louis or, and Murray state? Would anybody really care about Auburn playing George Mason or Memphis playing Vanderbilt like that to me, when you are trying to compete with football and you're trying to compete uh, with, with the NBA and you need to try to find a way to get people excited about the sport Letting the opening day be something where um, the biggest talking point is like Stetson beating an unranked Florida State team, it, that's, that's a problem to me. That's it's that, that, And it's something that I think is easily fixable, too. Well,
2: he, let, let's also explain that tomorrow night should have been the Champions Classic, and it's not because it's voting day.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: generally, at least we have that to look forward to. Now, the rest of the week stinks. It's worse than it was tonight the next three nights, and then at least we get Michigan State-Gonzaga on Friday right. night. The, the
1: problem stadium. is what happens is everybody wants to play an opening night. So every top 25 team played on Monday night, and you're not going to be able to play like back-to-back nights. You don't want to play two, two games in three days. So no one's playing again until Friday or the weekend. So we get this glo- – like we have everybody plays on Monday night. No one plays a meaningful game, and then we have four days where it's just
2: like, okay, we have, whatever. This is like TV, and I don't know where you're going to go with this, but to me, TV has to get involved, and, and it should be easy on an ordinary year without voting day or, or, or anything like that because you have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Those are three days. There's no football. Baseball is over.
1: Well, there, yeah, there's football eat. on Thursday, but Tuesday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Right? Well, they're, actually, they're,
2: the Thursday games that have happened, I wouldn't call that football.
1: True. That is, that is a very good point. <laughs> that is a very good point. But I, I do – I think that there is – something that can be tapped into there. And you're 100% right. There's a reason why the ACC Big Ten Challenge is a Tuesday um, and a Wednesday night at, at the end of November, right? There's a reason why the Champions Classic is on Tuesday nights. I just, I, I, I think, and it's gotta what do be- you do? What do you do? Go
2: ahead. How do you fix it?
1: So to me, I think, that, I know that you have a specific idea, right? But I, to me, I think what you need to do is allow more exhibition games and incentivize do things like Tennessee what Tennessee and Gonzaga did this year where you have like a pay-per-view non-conference game where you can have an exhibition where coaches can go out there and and figure out some of the stuff that they want to do right I feel like the situation that you run to and th- this is from like just talking to coaches but I feel like every coach in college basketball hates their team at the end of October Does, is there anybody that is like yeah you know what I, I really like what we have right you know now. Who you, love,
2: you know who really liked this team who Jamie Dixon. I talked to him yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> he did.
1: How about, he loves how about his that? Team. That's funny. He loves his uh, team. That's that's funny. But I so I do think that allowing them to have more of a chance to get real solid tests that don't matter. So that the first time that you're actually going up against a team uh, in, in a competitive setting on national television of that caliber is a game that doesn't count. And I think that that would allow coaches to feel a little bit more comfortable to be able to say, like, you know what, instead of having these, what are like, let's let's be frank, right? I'm looking at Illinois playing Eastern Illinois right now. That is essentially a preseason game, like when an NBA team goes and plays a bunch of like Australian club teams or something like that, right? That's kind of the same thing. It's just that our games in college basketball count so create more exhibitions that don't count that allow coaches to be able to feel more comfortable about what they're doing so that when the season starts and the games
2: do count we can get like a bang right off the right off the jump right i, I don't right. buy games and i don't think you need everyone i think you need tv to get involved and have one heavyweight matchup every night for the first couple of weeks until we get to the you know the mts startup right because then it's easy then we got them every night whether it's maui whether it's legends I mean, some of them stink, but, you know, for the most part, we get pretty good games. Here's what I would say. To me, it was easy this year. Like, Indiana plays at Kansas on December 17th this year. Bill Self just won a damn national title. I know he's got a different team coming back. He won a national title. Indiana's got everything coming back, and they bring in two really good freshmen. You don't think Mike Woodson would rather play that game right now, tonight? He would rather play that game tonight. And to me, you force him. You just say, hey, we're going to play one of these. One of these, so they they play each other. All you got to do is flip it so Kansas isn't playing Omaha tonight. They play them December 17th. Indiana's not playing Moorhead State tonight. They're playing them December 17th. I know they don't want to play each other this early in the season, but for the sake of college basketball, you do this, and you have to do it maybe every third year is basically what it comes down to that the big boys Scott Drew. Love you man but like you got more you got more job security than almost anybody in the country. You go you went out and played arguably the worst team in the country today. Mississippi Valley State. Come on. Play somebody.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's something that'll be good for the sport because the more attention that it gets, right? And that's how you get people hooked in. Right. Right. Yeah, that's right. how you get people locked in when you have incredible basketball on the first night of the season they're like oh yeah you
2: know what i need to watch this right and th- is the gonna, example tonight is, is like- going to get people excited and and if tonight's not tomorrow night certainly won't wednesday night certainly won't thursday night i'm going to be excited because i'm going to be uh, in amherst massachusetts watching the big Towson uh tilt against frank martin eating antonio's pizza during the day but yes it listen it's just, it's not a good first week and it's got to be better. Most every sport comes out with a bang and at least comes out where people are excited. And tonight, yes, there was some excitement to it only because we wanted to watch meaningful games, but it's, it's the diehards that are getting excited right. about this, right? right? It's not, that's it's right. not the general public. No. No one not getting somebody to leave an NBA game. That's an NBA fan to go watch, You're probably not getting a college
1: football fan to leave the field at 12 after dark to come and watch a college college basketball game. Right, that's what you're getting—the college basketball junkies. Right. But you already have the college basketball junkies, like you and I. It doesn't matter what's on; we're gonna watch it, right? The people that are watching this show right now—it doesn't matter what's on; they're gonna watch it, and that's fine. Like, what, we're we're happy what we're watching. But if you want to grow this sport, if you want to grow this game, if you want to make it so that we don't have to sit here and every time a school changes a conference or every time a player goes to overtime elite, we sit here and like, ah, oh, you know what? I, I'm worried about the future of the sport. But if you don't want to hear that all off season, Find ways to make it just, just jump off the bat, right? Well, you know what they always tell us, and when 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 I used to write, it was it was the lead, right? That's you how you get people write. drawn in. You Used yes. to write? I used to. I was not very people good say at that. It, about but, me too. I yeah. I haven't written
2: in, in a while. But
1: there, you you have your lead, right? You have your hook. You have you have the thing that gets people to draw in and convinces them to read the rest of the story. We don't have that in college basketball right now. Speaking and, of leads, speaking, of, speaking leads, of
2: leads, what was your lead tonight? What was your top? storyline forget about again the lack of freshmen uh what anything stand out to you so
1: i was since i watched this entire game and since i thought it was the biggest game of the night i I was a little bit underwhelmed by auburn despite the fact they won by 18 points at home against a good george mason team um I, i think that they are they are a team that's going to rely on having more length and athleticism than anybody. But I don't think that they're going to have more length and athleticism with uh than, than the people that they're going to have to play against at the highest level. Right. Basically, what happened is that you have the same guards that we questioned all of last season running the show there and you replaced. Uh, number three pick Jabari Smith with Johan Traore or uh, Alan Flanagan or wh- whatever, whoever you're playing in the four spot. And then you replaced first round pick Walker Kessler with John, uh, Jonah Broom, who, like, he, again, he's good, he's a fine yeah. player, but he ain't Walker Kessler. He's not going to end up being the number, what is it Kessler, like the 21st pick in the draft yeah. or something like that? He ain't going to be that. So you downgraded your two most important positions. And the guys that we have questions about, you're still going to have questions about because Katie is who he is. And because Wendell Green is who he is. And because Zepp Jasper is who he is now, it could change once you get Chance Westry healthy. uh, But I do think that um, my biggest takeaway was like Auburn kind of just looks like, okay. Um, We're going to transition here because uh, we have a guest joining us. I mentioned this a little bit earlier. Stetson went into Tallahassee, knocked off Florida state. Uh, We're going to have Stetson head coach, Donnie Jones on with us live as soon as we get back from this break.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: And we are now joined live from the Stetson team bus by Stetson head coach Donnie Jones, fresh off of an 83 to 74 win over Florida State. In Tallahassee, Donnie, it's got to be feeling good, man. How's that bus ride? Like, that, does, the, does the pizza on the bus taste a little bit better after a win like that?
3: Uh, you know, it does. Uh, it really is. Uh, you know, our guys are really excited. And, uh, you know, a great place to go play. I have so much respect for for Leonard and Florida state. Uh, it's just an um, incredible uh, night for a team.
2: You know, coming in, Donnie, first game you get a team like Florida State. And I know for you, the last couple of years have been tough. Pandemic, You had it going in the right direction after year one at Stetson. Then the pandemic kind of crushed you guys as much as just about any program. What, what did this win mean for you and for this program?
3: Well, it means a lot. Uh, obviously, we had nine guys coming back, Jeff. And, you know, we, we lost some really key players uh, to the transfer pool. Uh, we picked up some, some guys uh, that we felt bad and fit for culture as well. And, uh, you know, it's been a great group to coach. Uh, It's been the most enjoyable group I've had since I've been here. Uh, These guys love to play, come to work every day. And uh, tonight, uh, you know, they just came out and put it all together. So it's been great. It's a great start for us.
2: Tell tell people the story a little bit of Luke Brown. I mean, he had an unbelievable game tonight, couldn't miss. 27 points was kind of the key to the the win. Transfers in uh, from Ball State. Uh, how were you able to get him uh, to Stetson?
3: Yeah, well, you know, our relationship started a while back. You know, obviously Luke had signed with us and uh, came to Stetson and, and, uh, and left after the first semester. He was here about three weeks. And I uh, went back home and uh, enrolled in Ball State and, and then uh, actually put his name back in the transfer portal this spring. And we lost a couple guys and uh, his family called us and uh, we were able to, Luke to come back. So, uh, it's been a, been a blessing to go He's a great kid, a great worker. fits what we do. And, and obviously a uh, place with such great confidence on the floor.
2: Hey Rob, you know, I, I was going to rent a place down near Donnie this year for a month, you know, I'm going to, I'm getting out of the winter for a month. So I had it all set. Donnie had me hooked up and then, uh, we decided we, we're doing Charleston instead, so we're not going to be able to, to see a in game. But it's um, like you
1: dodged I, a I, bullet, there, Donnie. Let's be honest.
2: <laughs>
3: I, I know I had him right up the road there. It'd I would have been, been there all be the
2: great. time. I would have been there all the time. So what do you do now, Donnie, to, to try to? I mean, again, you get a win like this. What what is the message to your team? Enjoy this for a couple days. I assume you got another bye game coming soon.
3: Yeah, we do. You know, we played ten of our first twelve games on the road, Jeff, and it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, we play everybody in the state. We will play Florida. Uh, we got South Florida, and then we got UCF. So we're playing all four of the big schools uh, in our state, which is a great opportunity for us. We want to recruit our state as well. And then uh, next week, which is pretty cool, we get to go to uh, Ireland. We'll be in Dublin, Ireland, for six right. days to play two games. So uh, it's a great time, as you know, with a young team and new players you get a chance to bond and when you play these games and get these kind of wins just you know helps free confidence uh, with what you're doing we'll enjoy it we're not sure how to handle this yet you know that'll be the next yeah. test for this young team and uh we'll, we'll learn from it and, uh, and enjoy it for for more than one day we'll enjoy it two days uh, for sure
1: well well donnie listen man i appreciate you joining us congrats on the win uh, and speaking of enjoying things, when you're in Ireland, make sure to enjoy a uh, Guinness or two out there for me.
3: <laughs> we definitely will. We're looking forward to it. So I appreciate you guys. guys and, uh, congrats. Thanks, Thanks man. Lot, Heck of a win. Yep. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you got it. got it. There he is.
2: That's in head coach Donnie Jones. Fresh off their big upset win against Florida State. And uh, certainly – You know, listen, in in Leonard Hamilton's defense, they were certainly shorthanded without Balma Miller, who's been suspended for 16 games by the NCAA. Uh, They've had some other injuries as well. That Deontay Green may be out for the year. They've had a bunch of guys, Ganey's out. So, but you know what? Nonetheless, uh, that's a hell of a win for a Stetson program that, you know, has been trying to figure it out the last couple of years through the pandemic. I know Donnie well talk to him throughout. And and again, um, I'm sure this means a ton to him and his, his players. Yeah.
1: And shout out to uh, our own uh, Terrence Oglesby, who was on the call for that. It seems like he is uh, he's on the call for upsets every time that he gets the game down there. So um, he's got Providence and Stonehill next, so you better watch out those. Fans.
4: Oh no, Bye, those Friar fans, oh, you watch oh, out! Fans. The Skyhawks
1: are coming for you, man. T.O. is the king <laughs> of uh, the king of the upset. Um, all right, I just want to let you know that if you are a college basketball fan and you are not subscribed to the to to the Field of Sixty Eight Daily, uh, then you are just doing it wrong, man. You're living your life wrong. It is a free newsletter. It comes out every single morning at eight thirty a.m. It is the best way for you to be able to sit. Drink your coffee and get caught up in everything that happened in college basketball. And I'll tell you what, Jeff, tonight, an hour just is not going to be able to cut it to cover everything that happened in the sport over the course of uh, of basically, I guess, the last uh, four or five hours. So uh, make sure you subscribe to the daily. The link is in the description below. And while you're down there, why don't you go pick up the almanac? I'll tell you this. Stetson was one of the teams that we wrote about. We wrote about all 363, but that's one of the teams that we said had a chance to be better than people thought. You know what they did? They went to the Tallahassee and they won. You know what else we did? We wrote about Fairley Dickinson in the almanac. You know what we said about fairly Dickinson? I, I wrote about the okay. NEC. You I did. said that Fairleigh Dickinson was the sleeper in the NEC, and you got to watch out for Tobin yeah. Anderson teams because all those D2 transfers he brought with them were guys that could play. You know what they did? They went into Loyola, Chicago, took Sister Jean to overtime, and should have won if it wasn't for a Christian Leitner shot at the buzzer uh, to force crazy. extra period, which is crazy. Shot of the night. Crazy. Shot of the night. Um, all right. We had a couple of big coaching debuts uh, at Blue Blood Program. So, um, you know what? I- I'm going to start with this. John Shire. Uh, at Duke, it was weird seeing him on the sidelines, but playing without Derek Whitehead, playing without Derek Lively, uh, playing with a team that had kind of been banged up throughout the preseason, a whole bunch of new freshmen, transfers coming in, new head coach. They went out and they beat a tough, physical, old, talented Jacksonville team. They got a front line with a, with two SEC guys on their front line. Jacksonville, like they're no slouch. They're, they're, they're going to be a team that compete in their conference. And uh, Duke, they gave up 44 points. I was worried about Duke's defense. They gave up 44 points. What was your biggest takeaway, uh, John Shire, his his first real head coaching appearance?
2: I would say to me it was the fact that they were still able to win against the Jacksonville team that was picked second in its league and, and able to win fairly handily. You know, they played well. Out of the gates, Jacksonville gave them a little bit of, of problems. Uh, Mark Mitchell really impressed me. You know, he was one of those guys that we didn't see a lot in the circuit because he was hurt. So this was kind of my first chance to really see him, and I, I love him. Man, the energy, the toughness, the intangibles, everything he brings to the court. Uh, Roach looked pretty good, and he made shots. Uh, Proctor did not. Tyrese Proctor, their freshman, did he struggled a little bit? But I, I just feel like once you get live, and I don't know when it's going to be, like when Whitehead and 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 Lively come back and get 100%. We may be talking ACC play before that. I don't know how long it's going to be and how long it's going to take him. because as freshmen, when you miss time in the preseason, it's important. It's important. It takes time. Not everybody's Zion Williamson, especially Lively, who's long and thin. So I was impressed. Um, I like this Duke team. I thought this was a good win for them to fight through without two starters.
1: Yeah, I thought that the performance of um, of Mitchell was really important because he's the guy that kind of connects everything in that roster, right? We know Jeremy Roach is going to be the point guard. We know that he's – like, we can debate whether or not we think he's an All-American or if he's just, like, a really good ACC point guard. Regardless, he had 16-6, six, four dimes tonight, uh, made four threes. Like, he played well. If he gives that kind of performance every night this season, they're going to be fine. Uh, we saw – I'm not worried about Tyrese Proctor – making shots. He is a good shooter. Those shots are going to start going in at some point. Everybody has bad shots or has bad nights. And if you're a 17 year old as a freshman getting a start at Duke in your first game, hey, you know what? You might have a little bit of the jitters. You might miss some shots early on. Not worried about that. Uh, Jalen Blake's made some shots off the bench. Jacob Granderson, his that stroke is going to come around. So I'm not like all all the other pieces are kind of there. Right. But once the Whitehead gets back and Derek Lively gets back, though, all of a sudden you have a point guard you can trust. You have guys that can shoot at the two spot. Yeah, you have Derek Whitehead and Mitch, and and Mark Mitchell are tough, physical, athletic kind of combo forwards that can be switchable, that can play for round one, that can be those versatile pieces all around. Derek Lively, who's going to erase everything at the rim, and you still got Kyle Filipowski, who we didn't mention, who happened to have a double double tonight. Like I I, I came into the season kind of being like, "Yeah, hey, you know what? I, I don't know if I'm going to trust Duke early on. I think they're going to take some lumps. And then you watch him here and you're like, "Hey, you know what? Maybe that's a really dumb thing to think, Rob."
2: Well, I mean, it again, let let's see. Their schedule gets tough. Soon, mm-hmm. Obviously with Champions Classic starting up and then they go, you know, go to PK85. So, you know, they got some tough ones in here too and and I'm hoping they get lively back at the very least for some of these big matchups I, because selfishly I want to see him next week in Indy.
1: I mean, it would be such a bummer if at the Champions Classic, and we're going to be there. Uh, that announcement is coming tomorrow. Just keep it tuned if you want to be on the field of 68 daily. We're going to have some news there for you. Um, it would be such a bummer if like Lively, Derek Whitehead, and Oscar Shiway all didn't play at the Champions Classic. It would, I would, I would, yeah, that would that would yeah.
2: suck. Let's not even think negatively. Honestly.
1: Yeah, I'm not. You know what? I'm I'm retracting that statement. I'm pulling it out of the air. I'm not going to put right. that into the universe. I'm not going to put that thought out there. Um, how about how about Kyle Neptune? He had his first game um, as head coach, taking over for Jay Wright. He looked stylish on the sideline, but it was still uh, – I think
2: Villanova should have played Duke tonight. That, that would have been, been fun. Wouldn't that have been a
1: good game? Would, you know what you need to be? You need to quit the field of 68, and you just need to be a promoter. Actually, know. you know what? You need to get these people to play those games on
2: the field of 68. Yes, that would be good, <laughs> too. That would have been awesome. That would be great, too. But imagine that game. Like Then everybody would have watched it. I mean, you yes. would have – Everybody watching that game, if you had had Shire against uh, Kyle Neptune. Kyle, listen, Kyle's kind of understated um, because I think of Shire a little bit and, and Kay and all that. And, you know, obviously you're without Justin Moore here and now Cam Whitmore, your, your top freshman and maybe a top five or ten pick. So you're without your two most talented players and you still beat a big five team. You know, you, you beat a decent team tonight. Coming out of the gates and, you know, luckily you got Dixon. He, he's been good. Caleb Daniels was very good tonight. Brandon Slater's Brandon Slater. And then they got to fill in those other couple pieces until those dudes come back. But if, if to me, you get Whitmore back soon, which you will, I still think it's going to depend on Justin Moore. Can he come back in January? Because I think if he comes back in February, it's too late. It's going to be too hard to... Throw it's, him in there with going it. It's
1: gonna be it. so hard for him to get back up to the level of uh fitness that he needs to be in to play at the big east level. Like that yes. to me, that's that that's the biggest question. It's not like will he come back to 100 I'm not super concerned about like oh you tear your ACL, you lose a little bit of the quick twitch stuff because like Justin Moore is not someone that beats you with explosiveness, right? Shoots the ball, yeah. shoots the hell out of it, can create space, is crafty. Um, big, strong physical, right? Like, I so I, I'm not, I'm not super like it's gonna be, it's not gonna be the easiest thing, but I'm not super concerned about that. It's just a question of like, when is he going to be back to being Justin Moore as opposed yeah. to a guy wearing Justin Moore's jersey? That makes sense, but I'll tell you what, man, if Caleb Daniels is gonna have 24, 10 and four assists and shoot six for seven from three, it might not matter. Exactly. Like, who cares? Uh, I, I will say this about, um, I will say this about Villanova is that. Uh, I think one thing that I underrated in the preseason was losing Colin Gillespie, right? We talk about point guard play all the time and just kind of like the presence when that dude was on the court, right? Like there was a feeling when he was on the floor that everything was going to be okay, right? That you're going to find a way to get it done. Um, Even if he was a guy that looked like when he came in, he looked like he should be playing in the America East instead of the Big East. Um, He proved a lot of people wrong, proved a lot of doubters wrong. And losing that level of leadership, that level of confidence, having that coach on the floor at the same time that you lose your Hall of Fame head coach and you replace him with a guy that has spent one year as a head coach before this, like it's just there's a lot of turnover. So to come out in your first game and just beat up on a rival like this is, is that was, that was, that was impressive. Now, here's well, my question, you know, Jeff.
2: What, you know what it is, Rob? Like, I think I was talking to, to a, a high major coach this morning, and he said, he, he's like, you know some teams are going to get plucked off today, like tonight. You know it's going to happen, especially with as much turnover as with the portal and some of the other things that have gone on in the offseason, right? You got NIL, so you got more distractions for a lot of these kids. So mm-hmm. I think we, we thought there would be more upsets than there would be, or certainly closer games, and we'll get to TCU later. But there, there weren't – there really weren't – Like. Most of these teams handle business coming out of the, the, you know, right away in the season opener today, which surprised me a little bit. I thought we'd have more close games and more upsets.
1: Yeah. And and that was, I think that's part of the reason why we're sitting here and it's like, yeah, a lot of stuff happened, but there's not really all that much to talk about. Like there's, did any top 25 teams lose? I know there's, we're, we still have some games going on, but I don't think any, any top 25 teams lost. So it's, it's right. yeah, that is, that is impressive. And I, you know, that's, that's kind of a credit to the coaching staff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to the players for being focused and, yep. and you know, again, I, I'm sure they're, they're ready to go and, and home court advantage means more now it means more coming out of the pandemic. These fans are so pumped up. I mean, my daughter is a freshman at in Indiana and she said, she's like, she got through it uh, tonight after the game, she texted me, she said, wait, your
1: daughter coaching. goes to Indiana.
2: Does she does. Oh. Talia texted me, and she said it's the most fun she she's had so far since she's been in college, and that says a lot because you know you know she's been out a few times.
1: You turned her into such a hoops junkie. I love it.
2: It's insane. I love
1: it. She's such it's a hoops. Out fan. of
2: control. I know she's gonna. She came in like you know a hockey girl, and uh, I'm hoping at least hoops is. Um you know on, on get, even get it in top order. 3
1: college, get college basketball in top 3 and you'll be oh happy.
2: it'll be in, it's already in the top 3 it's just it's two it's hockey is one college hoops is is two at this point but she said the crowd was unbelievable and and i think that's the difference too right now you've got crowds that are even hungrier because you know yeah they had it last year last year was the first semi normal year in, in, in a few years and this year is the first that it feels completely normal
1: yeah last year was like normal ish because we yeah. still had that period in in uh in December and kind of early January right. when the Omicron wave went through and yep. teams games were getting canceled and like they were we had all this stuff getting getting shut down that's why part of the reason why Providence had the record that they had wrong. right like they they that's- they played three less games in league play, and like I'm okay. Pro- look, Providence fans, you guys won. I'm not arguing that you shouldn't have won, but I'm just saying like it was, it was not completely normal. Like this year, it feels like it is about as normal as you can possibly get. Um, all right. So speaking of normal, uh, the Blue Bloods are good. Goodman, are you surprised by that? Are that the North Carolina, that Kansas, and that Kentucky are all uh, top ten teams, top five Again, depending on where you look.
2: It's so hard, Rob, to to really determine how good any of these teams are yet.
1: Well, I I just I wanted to ask you. So, um, Kentucky, without Oscar Shebe, taking on Howard, completely overmatched, they win by thirty two points. Without Severe Wheeler, without uh, Damian Collins, without like some really well, Severe Wheeler might have been an addition by subtraction. But hey, hey, hey. (laughs)
2: um,
1: but uh, I I mean, Field of sixty eight podcast host uh, C J Frederick. Led the oh, team scoring. How out, about that?
2: Came out fire and so did Reeves.
1: Yeah. Uh, how how great. upset do you think uh, TO and Randolph Childress are that like they're nowhere near the best shooters on the field of 68 anymore? I think that hurts them in their soul just a little bit. That's a good
2: bit. point. I didn't think about that. Yeah, they're not gonna be happy about this, are they?
1: No, they are not gonna be happy about this. So
2: Kentucky, take- listen, here, here's the thing. I watched a bunch of Kentucky, and uh here's what I'll say: is like I was kind of worried about them going in the year because of their spacing more than anything. And, and thinking about it and saying to myself, all right, like Oscar's got to be in the court. You know, I know I've heard the reports that he's stepping out and shooting a little bit better, but you know, he is what he is. He's going to be down there on the block and um, Jacob Toppin, I've heard the same thing, but you know, I'll believe it when I see it right. Severe wheeler, you know, kind of a non-shooter at the point. Well, if those three are going to play, you know, all right, that means, one of Reeves or Frederick plays you're not playing them both and you know to me again how do you figure this team out are there enough shooters is basically what i'm getting at um i, I think there are Toppin look like he, he's gotten better uh frederick and and reeves can play together at times and i love casey wallace i i freaking love that
1: i, was, I was just about to say look the if you're Beatles. worried about if you're worried about severe wheeler shooting well this kid just had 15 8 and 9 dimes as the starting point guard on wallace did so we talk about the freshman performances like that's right up there with Grady Dick in terms of um the best that you're going to see uh tonight yes. and and look i i to me said a triple he's the guy double. yeah to to me he's the guy that is like kind of the difference maker there because if 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 he's out there and like, look, I, I, I make jokes. I'll do respect to Severe Wallace, he led the the SEC in assists last year. He averaged fourteen and seven on a bad Georgia team. Like that, that dude's a player. Um, I think it's more just like the when he's out there with Oscar Sheway, the way that you can match up with Kentucky, it makes them uh, a little bit more beatable. Whereas I think if you put Case on Wallace out there, all of a he's sudden, not a great not only,
2: shooter either. By the way, Wallace is not a proven shooter, but, but I think he'll get think, better.
1: Yeah, and I think it's a little bit different where um
2: well they go where, under every ball screen with Wheeler. They're not going to do that yet with Wallace.
1: Yes, and he's bigger and if he gets in the lane like he's going to be someone that can like finish over stuff. I think he's a little bit more of a dog that lets you be a little bit more switchable different. It yeah. It
2: actually works, Rob. It yes. works cuz they're different. So like well,
1: here's here's what I was going to say is like all of a sudden you have Wallace at the one, you could play Toppin and Livingston together. Um, and you put anybody else at the two, whether it's CJ Frederick, whether it's, uh, Reeves. whether it's the Reeves kid, yep. whether it's, uh, Adu Thero, I don't know. Do Thero, however you pronounce his last right. name. I
3: don't think he's going to play.
1: But what I'm saying is all of a sudden you have a team that is basically like one through four switchable.
2: Yeah. Right. Yep.
1: And I don't know if we've seen that at, at, at Kentucky in a while. So I, I love what I saw from case Wallace. And I do think I'm, I'm, I'll be very curious to see how that role kind of plays up moving forward you mentioned grady dick here's you know what made me so happy go ahead i saw the tweet it came through uh, cj moore put it out there um kansas started kj adams at the five yeah. jalen wilson at the four grady dick at the three kevin McCullough at the two dewan harris at the one we we got the full small ball lineup
2: we got Without the full bill small ball lineup um, from bill Self. i was
1: so happy because norm that.
2: roberts was coaching so he probably said the hell with it i'm, I'm sure. doing this Yes, but I love Bill it. Man. Can't, Bill can't tell me what to do. I'm going small, like you know, old St. John's days or something. Uh, but it's their best lineup right now. It's their yes. best lineup because they don't have a proven big. the The bigs aren't good enough yet, and, and they're hoping maybe they they eventually um, get there. But but they're not. The, you know, the freshman isn't. You know, he's kind of more of a rim running defender. Uh, yeah,
1: Ernest Ude. Like they don't have. The Bill Self loves those guys where you can scheme stuff for them where they just kind of turn and seal and lay the ball over their shoulder and okay. you just scheme layups, right? Okay. David McCormick was great at it. Yudoka know, Azubuki was probably the best that we've seen Bill Self have at it. Uh you you think of guys like Landon Lucas, uh, Field of 68 podcast host. Uh you think of guys like Cole Aldrich, right? Guys that can just turn, seal, put their ass into someone, catch the ball late in. Um, and they don't like none of the none of the bigs that they have can do that and i think that this team bill bill mentioned this to me when we talked for the almanac that it's basically what he ran at the start of the 2020 21 season right do you remember that they started the season out really hot um they beat kentucky in the champions classic where there, there was nobody there um and uh, they they, they played Jalen Wilson a lot at the five with those lineups. Now I, I don't think you're going to play him at the five with these lineups. I think you put KJ Adams there, but he's done it before and he's yeah. shown the willingness to play small ball. And to me, like that, that can get exciting right there. Especially like Jalen Wilson had 19, 11, and seven assists. Grady no Dick question. had Grady right. Dick had 23 tonight. So that Juan Harris was good. Yeah. Now McCuller, to be fair, to be fair, Nebraska Omaha is not.
2: But not good. They're not yeah, good. They're not,
1: they're not great. And
2: most of these teams tonight. And again, we say that, like, you know, we'll, we'll get to probably Indiana a little bit. They beat Moorhead State. They're picked to win their league, but they're a completely different team this year than they were a year ago. Mm-hmm. So Indiana had that advantage over, over Preston Spradlin's team. So they're
1: also picked yeah. to win the league because the Ohio Valley lost Belmont and Murray State in this. Exactly.
2: Exactly. Horrible. Exactly. Right. Horrible. Right. So. You know, to me again, you gotta take a lot of these games with a grain of salt. You beat who you're supposed to beat, and there's something to be said for that. That's important right now. However, it's gonna step up at some point. You know, every team, most of these teams have, you know, they'll probably have anywhere from what, uh, you know, four by games to to you know, six by games um, you know, out of their most of them have like 11 or 13 total non-conference games. So, you know, it'll, it'll start to ramp up. I understand they, they want to start slow. Uh, it's just, again, you look through it and you're like, can't, couldn't we have gotten one that everybody wanted to watch mm. that everybody was watching the same game and just saying like, I have you know, to have, you know, one, one missed, on this. you know,
1: you know, you know, you know, you know what we missed coming into this game or coming into this, uh, this night, I didn't even realize it. I didn't even put it together. We missed the uh the the Florida Gulf Coast revenge game.
2: Yeah, no, uh, USC just lost.
1: Yeah, USC just that- lost. USC and Andy Enfield just lost to Florida Gulf Coast and Dunk City 74-61 in opening. You talked about not getting upsets, so there you go, Jeff. There's your upset man. There's your upset. All right, there's one more game out. that I want to talk about. Um you know what, let uh, real quick, North Carolina struggled a little bit with Wilmington. Um, we've seen them have issues with distractions before and look uh unimpressive. Um, I'm not terribly concerned about that because they only allowed 56 points. And when we question North Carolina, what do we question whether or not they're going to play defense? I'm just a little bit concerned. Uh, we saw they had six points off their bench tonight. That's it. Yeah. Six points off the bench. So if, if you can't get any kind of bench production, uh, playing against UNC Wilmington, not only that, they had six points off the bench and Pete Nance had took three shots from the floor. So,
3: so if that's you're not going
2: gonna- to me that, that, that baffled. I mean, to me again, if I'm RJ Davis, if I'm Caleb love, if I'm Armando Bacon, the most important thing for me is to make sure Pete Nance is happy right now and to make sure he fits in because they already got to the national title game last year. They're, they're playing for a national title this year. Anything less than that is probably disappointing for, for those three guys, especially. So to me, it's all about Pete Nance right now. Can he be not Brady manic, but can he be a guy that, again, you're going to make sure you acclimate, uh, get him in, get him feeling good and get him to be productive right out of the gates.
1: I I love, I love that. we, We, this is where we end up. This is what, this is what college basketball is. This is what the field of 68 after dark is where, where we say Pete Nance, not R.J. Davis, not Caleb Love, not Armando Baycott, not the three All-Americans, the guy that transferred in from Northwestern is the piece that makes it all work for the team that made the national title last season, the preseason number one team in the country. It's I love true. it. And you know what? I don't even think you're wrong. Like, I don't, I don't even know. think that you're wrong. Um, no, but that just kind of stood out was was their lack of depth. Uh, I, I want to ask you real quick, and then we can kind of move into some of the superlatives and, and other things from tonight. Um, Memphis went into Vanderbilt and smacked them around. I don't even know what the final score was. I think that they won. That's your boy. Yeah, they, they ended up winning they by beat twenty. Beat the crap out of your boy. You, they you did, man. They do. Like
2: stack, I was. is John Wooden to you,
1: not John Wooden, but I. But the, the one, the Duke, they and really, can, and I. So they ended up winning 76-67. I got the box score, but they were up by twenty in the second half. And, and he couldn't score. They could not score. score. It, it was. It was. Does this? So let me ask you this. This is the way I wanted to phrase. It. Go ahead. How does do you this, want to
2: set me up for this one?
1: No, does this say more about how good Memphis is or does this leave you questioning Vanderbilt? Because to me, I come out of this like, you know, like Memphis might be really, really good.
2: I come out of it saying Vanderbilt's going to (laughs) stink. Okay, fair enough. That's what I come out of it saying is Vanderbilt, like they took a step last year, but like people want to act like they've arrived. Like take a look at what they did under Kevin Stallings. 12 years ago that run they had where they had john jenkins and some of those dudes jeffrey that-
1: taylor put some respect on the man's name jeff
2: i'm telling you like they were hey can i ask cool.
1: you a question when uh when when vanderbilt made the NCAA tournament as a four seed and they ended up getting upset in the first round who knocked him off was it field of 68 i love steve Prom? yes it was it shout was. out to Steve Prome.
2: um i mean they made the tournament again listen you know my big my, my big problem was was that they uh, they fired Bryce Drew uh, after three years and after the AD took over and didn't go to a practice, and, and he fired him after a month. Um, I'm not saying Bryce Drew would have gotten a go in there, but all I know is he went to the tournament in year one, and yes, they didn't win a game in the SEC, t- in the, SEC the year he got fired, uh, but they didn't have Darius Garland. And last I checked, Darius Garland's pretty damn good.
1: Yeah, he's not bad. Right, pretty yeah, good. He's not bad. Oh. Yeah, he's not bad. Um, no, I I do think that, that Jerry Stackhouse is a good coach, and I actually think that Vanderbilt's going to find a way to kind of turn things I around don't. a little bit. I'll tell you this. How about this for a stat? Go ahead. DeAndre Williams, he's 26 years old. He's a former five-star prospect. He's the guy, uh, if he's playing, you want to bend on Memphis, and if he's not playing, you want to fade Memphis, and this is why. They are 7-7 seven and seven since he's been there without him in the lineup. With him in the lineup, they are 36-7. And 12.
3: Yeah. Uh, and a lot yeah. of
1: those, a lot of those wins, most of those wins were tough conference games, uh, some postseason stuff, and NIT championship run. Um, it's crazy when you think about it. DeAndre Williams is older than Jason Tatum. <laughs> DeAndre DeAndre Williams, DeAndre Williams is older than John Fanta and Kevin Sweeney, who host the show on this network and are full-time media professionals. Um, no, I I mean Kendrick Davis had 16 and 6 tonight. I just yeah. I thought that it was. We know what we're going to get from them defensively, and I thought that they looked much better than I expected on the offensive end of the floor. So I, I wanted to give a little shout out to Memphis there.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, listen, I'm with you. All right. So somebody in the chat uh, wants to know.
1: Well, no. Let me tee up that question. That's where I was All about right. to go next. going to tee it up probably, to
2: you, but you can from throw the it
1: from the back. YouTube chat. No, it's going to you, man. You're the one that you're, you're the one that pegged. So here's what happened last year. Goodman pegged Providence as he said that they were the luckiest team in the country, I think, in like a week and a half into the season. I was right. Because of the way that their schedule kind of shook out. And, like, you probably weren't wrong. Like, they just – they happened to play teams when their best player wasn't available. Just scheduling quirk, it happens. It's college basketball. A week after that, Ken Palm unveiled his, like, luck index, and and, uh, Providence was number one, and it became this huge national thing. So – Ken Palm is a fraud in the YouTube chat. Wanted to know Goodman, who is the luckiest team in college basketball this season? I think I know who you're going to say. There's only one answer here. Huh? There's only one answer here. Really? Yeah. There's
2: only Providence. I'm going back to the well. I'm going to Providence again. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's what I was going to say. I still the luckiest team. And Coley called me this morning and, and, Honestly, I, I he just sounded lucky. He just he sounded like he knew the luck was going to be at his side again this year with the portal.
1: So so here's what we need. We have a merch store, by the way. So if you're an Illinois fan and want to get something like a Daddy Brad shirt uh, in the next uh, couple of days, we're unveiling a whole bunch of new designs that are coming out in that merch store. Feel the 68 dot shop link is in the description below. One of the things that I'm going to put on there is a fryer shirt. But instead of the, the dot on top of the eye, it's just going to be a four leaf clover. You nice. with that? Nice. I'm like going to get one of them. I'm going to have Ed Cooley sign it. I'm going to wear it every day for the rest of my life.
2: Eddie will wear it. Are you kidding? Eddie will wear it. Guaranteed. <laughs> I, I love but it, I'm wear it on the sidelines.
1: <laughs> I love it. Um, all right, so the, the real answer that I was going to have there uh, is the top 25 team that I'm the most concerned about after the first day of games, and that is the TCU Horn Frogs. They played Arkansas Pine Bluff. They got down by 20 points in the first half. They came all the way back. They took a lead. But after missing the front end of a one-on-one when they were up 73 to 72 with six seconds left, uh, Pine Bluff came down, missed a floater at the buzzer that would have won the game. They actually got a pretty good look. So how how worried should we be about TCU right now?
2: I mean, again, going for my conversation with Jamie Dixon where he was like gushing. <laughs> I gushing love him, man. his team. I love That's him. very un-Jamie Dixon-like. Very un-Jamie Dixon-like to do that. He's usually very even keel and he really, really likes his team. And again, part of the reason he likes his team is because he envisioned having Damian Baugh today and Damian Baugh did not play for them. And Damian Baugh, like I remember when he came into Memphis, I remember talking to Mike Miller and Penny Hardaway and they both thought he could potentially be a one and done. They thought he could be their best pro that year. Uh, And that team included James Wiseman at that time. He was ineligible, but um, Baugh, Changes their team. He takes a lot of the pressure off off Mike Miles. Um, he changes their team. Now again, that's no excuse why they were down twenty and had to fight from behind uh, and, and beat Pine Bluff today. All the credit goes to Solomon Bozeman, there, mm-hmm. Pine Bluff's head coach and their team. But um, they made 10 yeah, threes in
1: the hurt. first half. That's what it was. They they caught. Five. They couldn't miss. I think they made their first seven or something like
2: that. They and couldn't TCU miss. U was four for twenty one from three. Yeah, so only made yes, one in the first I, half. I am a little worried, you know, because it sometimes what happens is TCU blasted the crap out of out of Alabama in a scrimmage and it humbled Alabama and their young guys. And it's what NATO needed for those guys. Right. To be able to tell them, like, you're not that good. Look at that veteran team that just kicked your ass. Well, that veteran team that kicked their ass then started feeling probably a little bit better about themselves. And realistically, what's TCU really kind of like Indiana a little bit? Like, what have you guys really done to prove? I had them ranked, I think, 12th. I moved them up to, to 12th this morning, TCU. And, and what have they done to really justify that? Nothing other than return a bunch of guys from a pretty good team.
1: Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. And so the, the question, it. the question with teams like that is always, okay, so how did you get better? yeah, you brought everyone back, but how did you go from being a team that was a nine seed that couldn't, well, that probably should have picked off Arizona in the second round of the tournament to being a team that we're saying like, you know what, you got a chance to compete with the likes of Baylor and Texas tech and Kansas at the top of the big 12. And it's uh it's not getting down by 20 points in the first half at home against the team that came into the season ranked 361st in Ken Palm Goodman. That's wow. that, that, that's the thing to me is like, look, look, the, those those Arkansas directional schools are never going to really be all that good. But Pine Bluff is, like, very, very, very – or was expected to be very, very bad. So uh, credit to them for showing up. I'm not – I think you're, you're, you're correct. I think they dodged a bullet, and this had a lot more to do with uh, Bob being out, Miles being right. – uh, cr- he was cramping up in the second half, and um, just kind of like the weird lineup situations. You were, they, they they TCU doesn't have great guard play regardless, and they don't really have great shooting. Um, so – it kind of uh, it kind of is what it is there. All right, let me ask you this. Who yep. are you? Is there someone else that you're more concerned about? Like, we can talk a little bit about Auburn. We can talk a little bit about Creighton if you want to. I think
2: uh, we have a special guest, though, coming on now. Right now? I could be wrong. I know you don't know this. You know, this is a surprise, surprise guest for
3: you.
1: All right, bring him on. Bring him in.
2: hey all right there he is fresh off the first win as the official head coach of Duke University you've had other wins John Shire but uh my guess is they didn't taste quite as 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 good as this one did correct
6: yeah I don't know that I that uh those wins went down in the record book and uh so don't get those. <laughs> No, rightfully so, by the way. So, but uh, it felt good to get the first one under our belt. Our guys did a great job and great to get a win.
1: So now that you you move one seat over, right, what was, you can think about what it's going to be like, but what was the biggest difference for you now knowing like, hey, okay, this is my team. I'm the one making the decisions. I'm the one that has to argue with the officials over calls and decide (laughs) who's going in and who's coming out. Like what was, did anything kind of stand out that you didn't
6: expect? You know, I've had the experience before of of coaching, but I think it's more just the everyday, you know, preparation that goes into, you know, preparing for an opponent and uh, making sure you're, you know, touching everybody on the team. Just the, it's just uh, the scope is is more full. I guess that's the best way to put it, right? As an assistant coach, you have pretty clear responsibility. Whether it's your, <clears throat> excuse me. Whether it's your position group or whether it's uh, the the particular scout, so for me, I think that's been the biggest adjustment. But uh, you know, one game under under my belt, one game under our team's belt, and I'm sure there'll be a lot more challenges along the way.
2: How do you celebrate? What what was the celebration? Did they pour water over you in the in the locker room? Anything yeah, tonight? Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what
6: they got me with water and. If, Cold water, man. Like I, my body kind of went into shock for a second. I'm not gonna lie. I, I, know I sound soft. My, my mom and you know my dad would probably be making fun of me right now because I'm supposed to be you know this toughness from Chicago, being in the cold. But uh, you went to
3: Glen,
2: You went to Glenbrook North. You weren't tough.
6: <laughs> Look, we're tough from Northbrook, man. Don't sleep. That's what happens if you sleep on Northbrook. That's I'm just telling you. But uh yeah, they got me with the water tonight, though. Hey. Mark Mitchell,
2: I thought he came out and set the tone for you guys. And I hadn't seen him because he missed the AU circuit a good portion because he was hurt two summers ago. But how important is he and was you tonight was he tonight for you guys?
6: Yeah, he's huge for us. You know, Mark is just uh you know, he's a he's a utility guy. He's he's whatever you need in, in a given in a given day, he can bring it, whether it's scoring, whether defense, rebounding. You know, inside and out. Yeah, I just like the confidence and aggressiveness that he's playing with. And I feel like he's, you know, gone under the radar a little bit for whatever reason. And I've always been just in the recruiting process. For me, Mark was, we pinpointed him really early on. And, uh, you know, he's just a winner. Just knows how to play. You know, they call him easy. That's his nickname. It's because he's easy to play with. Yeah. You know, he's joke with them. Just just don't be easy to guard and uh, <laughs> and then we'll be OK. Um,
1: Derrick Whitehead, Derek Lively obviously didn't play tonight. Do you have any idea when you're going to be getting back?
6: Not yet. You know, Derek has a shot of being back on Friday for our game. Uh, you know, the next step is, you know, for both these guys it's it's the health piece, but also uh, shape and then playing against contact where the first time that's uh, that's happening, isn't playing a game. So, um, uh, is, uh, excuse me, Derek has definite a definite shot for Friday. And then derek he's able to start to do contact now. So we'll build up his shape and contact and progress him along.
1: I know all about having to get into shape, John. That's, that's one of my expertises.
6: <laughs> have you, have you done <laughs> that yet?
1: No, not even close.
2: <laughs> so, Hey John, will have you talked to Kay about, um, coming to your games, like, is is that something that you think he will eventually come to a game, sit in the crowd, be able to support? Like, have you had that conversation with him at all? Because I know he said, he was like, I don't know if I'm, maybe I'm missing this, but I thought he said, I don't know if I'm going to go to any of his games where we saw, you know, Roy went to some game, he went to a lot of games uh, at Carolina last year, all over the place. I think Jay Wright will probably be at Villanova games. Is that a conversation? Do you want him there?
6: he can come anytime. He's always welcome. You know, it's, it's, first of all, it's not, uh, have you been in Cameron indoor stadium? It's kind of tough to, a few to have a secluded spot. I think that's the first thing, but secondly, he can have one, my seat. communication. I'm sure he'll come to our games, um, but it's just, it's tough for him being in Cameron or being anywhere because of the, the attention that he gets.
1: Yeah, that's what it's like for me when I go to Cameron Indoor Stadium, John.
2: (laughs) Hey, by by the way, are you are you upset that I ranked you uh, the 11th best recruiter in the country? Wait,
6: sorry. Did I break
2: up there? Can you hear me now? Okay, I got you. Did you hear my question?
6: No, ask again.
2: I said, are you are you upset at me for ranking you as the number 11th best uh, recruiter in the country?
6: You know, there are certain things where you, you use it for motivation, other things you just let let it go right out the window and you don't even worry about what something so you know so you're saying if, you don't
2: worry about my opinion at all.
6: No, I mean if Douser said that maybe I'd you know be heard or you know think about it a little bit more, but once you said it, it's like one one
2: in one ear out the other. So um what what's your biggest question mark with this team? What what is the one I know? When we talked in the, in the offseason you said we got to be a really good defensive team. That's got to be something that 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 really is important. I thought you were tonight for the most part. Um is that still something that you need to hang your hat on? Is there something else other than health obviously that that's got to get uh that you got to get fixed?
6: I I just think naturally we need to you know learn how to play with each other and you're, you're trying to find a lot of our guys, they're still figuring out who they are as players. And so you're trying to play to those strengths while they're figuring out what those strengths are, if that makes sense. And, you know, with Dariq's injury, we haven't had our full team together yet. So, you know, honestly, who we can be or where we need to build, I'm anxious to see that myself. Like, I'm just looking forward to getting Dariq and Derek back in the mix. And I think we found some really good things that we may not have found otherwise. Uh, But it's our defense, and then how can we, you know, personalize it even more with who we are in, you know, November 7th versus December 7th versus, you know, January 7th and on. So I think that's the biggest challenge for our group uh, as the season evolves.
1: Last one I got for you, John. Jeremy had 16-6-4 tonight. Um, Point guard, head of the snake, all the cliches in the world about how important that position is. You got a veteran in that spot that's been through a lot of battles Uh, What have you seen out of him so far in terms of taking in, stepping into that leadership role? And what are you hoping to get out of him this season?
6: Yeah, I just think for Jeremy, he's, uh, you know, obviously what he did last year, especially, you know, in the tournament, I think you can see what a special player he is. He can score, he can pass. He just, the burden's on him every night. We need him to do that for us. And forget about his actual, the statistics or the scoring impact or the passing. It's to me, it was his presence tonight, you know, his poise, his determination that really set the tone for the rest of the group because he's been through it all. There's he's, And he's been through it with me. We've been through it together. Uh, And that's going to be really key for us, you know, moving on.
2: Hey, did you give uh, uh Kyle the go ahead to wear your number, by the way? I thought your number <laughs> was hung on the rafters. I didn't, I didn't realize anybody was going to be able to wear your number again.
6: It's not up there. It's not up there, but. If he keeps getting
2: double double like tonight, I'm, uh,
6: you know, I'm great with him wearing my number. So that's a that's a nice touch. Absolutely.
2: All right. Well, listen. Congrats. Uh, first official win that goes in the record books tonight for John Char. Uh, congrats. Thanks for joining us in the uh, field of sixty eight after dark, and we'll see you next week in Indy. I
6: appreciate you guys. We'll see you there. You got it. Thanks, John. All right, fellas, take care. All
2: right, there you have it. John Shire, Duke head coach, still weird. Still weird. I don't know so, when it's going it's to become so normal.
1: Weird, it's so weird. The first final four I ever covered, John yep. Shire won the national title. The wow. first one I ever covered. And now he's here and he's, he's jumping on with us on field of 68 after darker, the, the, the show that we started right. as the head coach at Duke. It's just like, what is, is this real life? <laughs> like, well, it's
2: cool happy. in a way. I mean, it's cool. Listen, I'll, I'll give you one better. I broke the story of when John Shire committed to do. <laughs> I mean, how ridiculous is that? I mean, oh, well,
1: insane. you're you're also you're really old, so like really you should we should happy. not be surprised by that,
2: right? But I mean, it's yeah, it's just it, it's weird. Again, tonight was just like oh shit. All right, Roy was gone last year. We kind of got used to that, and now it's like Kay's not there. And Jay Wright's gone, and we know there's going to be guys following them next year. Um, I don't know who it's going to be, but it's
1: I, not going to be Bayheim. He's never leaving. He's going to coach until he's 110.
2: It won tonight, I'm, he's going to he's I'm, going to I'm, coach. He's going to I'm coach until Buddy Beheim
1: has a kid that is playing at Syracuse.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Buddy's going to have a kid. Jim's going to go until Buddy has a kid who plays for <laughs> him. He's going to coach his grandson. Unbelievable. Oh boy, what what else? So, Here, here's here's a
1: question I got for you. All right, let's let's get back on track. I, I want to know. Um, we could talk about Creighton on tomorrow's show. I'm going to save that one because they ended up pulling that out. But the, I want to know the most impressive performance that you saw tonight. Like, what was the the one the one player that did something where you're like, okay, that that can change what this team can be. Uh, who really stood out to you?
2: Hmm, who really stood out to me? It might have been. It might've been Grady Dick. Cause when I saw Grady Dick in the summer, he didn't blow me away. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was six, eight either. When I saw him a year and a half ago in Charlotte, where was I? He no. looks six, eight now. He is six, eight. He is six, eight. And mm-hmm. he didn't shoot it that well when I saw him. And I was just like, yeah, like he's a good player, but I didn't think he would be that good. And when I talked to Bill self recently, he was like, yeah, yeah he can be like a Kyle Corver type. Well. Like, if he can shoot it that well, like Corver, and he's got that that kind of juice that that he had tonight. I was going
1: to say, I, I, right. I Corver Corver ain't. Right. Or doesn't have that. Yeah, I don't know if
2: like he that. can go by dudes. I don't know if Grady Dick can go by guys in the half court yet. But you know what? The bottom line is, if he can give you that second option, offensive option with Jalen Wilson, and it's not on Kevin McCullough or DeWan Harris, like that's the key because neither one of those guys – they might be able to give you 15 on a given night, but they're probably gonna average somewhere between like eight and twelve, I would think, both those guys. So you you gotta have Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson be consistent, you know. Between the two of them, they gotta probably average 35 points a game.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so I don't know if you had a chance to see the Illinois box score yet tonight. Have you seen it?
2: No. Coleman Hawkins had a good game.
1: Coleman Hawkins, 23 points. Coleman Hawkins, 12 rebounds. Coleman Hawkins, three assists, two steals, a block, five for eight from three in 24 minutes. Now, I need to see that. Yeah, a performance like As that. Hummel
2: says, I know Hummel someone
1: better. A- I guess someone better than, yeah, I know. I didn't know if I was, I can't remember when Hummel said that, so I don't know if it was on the record. So I didn't, yeah, I, I didn't want to repeat it. It was on what did he yeah, say? It's
2: on the record. He said he does it against directional schools,
1: yes, exactly, against Eastern Illinois. And that's why I was going to say, <laughs> if we get a performance like that from Coleman Hawkins in Big Ten play against right. one of these like big non conference opponents that they have then we can sit here and say like you know what we got to start taking illinois really seriously so that one that's what kind of than
2: anything else absolutely um you know i, I think you know probably a, another one i'm trying to think of another one for me that that stood out today uh, you know there weren't again there weren't a ton of like big time freshman perf- performances you know there were some you know there were some decent other. You know, like again, you look down and you're like, all right. Creighton struggled a little bit. They didn't look great tonight against Saint Thomas of Minnesota. Um, Virginia didn't look great uh, against them. So let safe. me
1: let me give you my take on that. Let me let me give you let me give you my take on on Creighton since we uh we have a couple minutes here that we got to get through. Um, I watched a lot of that game because it, it came on the stream that I had up after the UConn game ended. So I watched um, most of the second half yeah. and. I thought that the reason why St. Thomas was able to hang around had a lot to do with the fact that, one, they shot the hell out of it, right? And, two, they run this kind of, like, spread motion um, offense with a bunch of, like, really skilled guys that can kind of put Ryan Kalkbrenner in difficult positions where he has to defend on the perimeter. And they, they were really well coached, and they made a whole bunch of shots. And Creighton shot, like, eight for 29, I think it was, from three. So Creighton got good looks. They didn't go in. Um RJ Nimhard didn't uh didn't really play all that well. And then um St. Thomas just made a whole bunch of shots and Creighton find a way found a way to get it done at the end. So I don't I'm not sitting here worried about Creighton as someone that said I think that Creighton can can find a way to win it. Yeah. Um, you know what? If you have any questions in the chat right now, fire away at us because we have a, we gotta get through a couple minutes here. Um and and we need stuff to talk about. So give us topics to talk about. All right, you know what while we wait. Uh, let's do three cheers. Let's do our toast of the night. Well, I guess it's two cheers tonight since That's it's just weird. me and you. I don't even know. Have- um, I got a beverage here. So while you're going, you're doing your thing. I'm going to get my toast of the night. I'm going to go with. All I I'm have
2: gonna- here's all I have is an old oh. Fanna from last year. I'm an old one. I don't even know. Like, it may be gross. The yeah. Fantas go bad. I, they, well fan has always been bad <laughs> Dude, <laughs> go bad he's yes. always been bad we've seen it we've seen a fan go bad oh we've seen a fan go bad <laughs> that one i know was off the record um
1: <laughs> <laughs> so my cheers is going to go out to uh to Yuri collins the point guard at um at st louis because i don't think enough people realize like there is a stud playing in the state of Missouri, and he does not play for Missouri. He plays for the St. Louis Billikens. He had 14 assists and no turnovers tonight against our. Uh, uh, I'm you know what I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say who it was against. We can't. We we gotta. We can only hype up our former field of oh, 68 alone. Really
2: can't do it.
1: Uh yeah, it was Steve Pro, Murray State. Yeah, they beat him by 23. I think St. Louis is really, really good. Like I think that they are top 20 in the country, kind of good. I think that they yes. are a potential second-weekend team, kind of good. I think that they are clearly the best team in the Atlantic 10, kind of good. And a lot of that has to do with Yuri Collins, but it also has to do with the fact that Gibson, Jimerson, Javon Pickett, and Javante Perkins combined for 54 points and hit nine threes, playing two through four. Um, yeah, so I was really impressed with that. All right, Dagan, jump in here real quick. Hit us with questions from the chat.
2: Hello, hello. I'm here. Hello.
1: He's back, baby.
2: I'm back. What do you got? Uh,
1: I just lost it. It's from,
2: it's from Mr.
1: John Fanta. St. John's on by 25 tonight. And Mike Anderson said it's a new team. Jeff Goodman. Are you
2: buying or selling? It's definitely a new team. It's a new team. We know that they, they, they brought in, uh, David Jones had a hell of a game today. Shot the hell out of it. And, uh, my boy Corbella was back. And mm-hmm. on the ball, he picked up a technical, I guess, early it's 61
1: seconds in. That's not oh, what I was going to say. cabello he, he didn't even make it more than a minute before getting his first God. technical foul of the season. What a legend, man. Come on. I'm, Build him a I'm statue outside a second arena.
2: I might be buying him. I mean, again, it just depends. And, and Bello hit a three as well. So it just depends if he and Posh combined can make enough shots to keep modest, because I think David Jones is really, really good. Uh, and again, when you have two point guards who can move the ball, I was watching them for a little bit, the ball was humming around. I mean, it, so you're, you're a guy like David Jones is going to get uncontested shots, and he's going to get them when the ball zips around like that with those two passing it. They're giving him the ball exactly where he needs it, right in the pocket, so there's no wasted motion to have to go down and pick it up. I think Carbello was playing He still had some turnovers when I was watching, but he was playing much more under control.
1: Yeah, and I know that people are going to see Merrimack and think that they just stink, but that is the best team in the NEC. Um, So that's beating them by 25 is something that you should – as much as any other – like any of these wins matter, like that one matters as much. Uh, Robbie Hummel's in the chat. Did you see the question we got from him?
2: I did. No. I did. Oh, no. (laughs) Why? Why do I have a – pod? why do I have to do a podcast? He does. He's got to do it <laughs> tomorrow morning, and he only watched one game tonight. He did the Iowa game, and he's been uh, driving back from Iowa, listening to this to try to pick up as much knowledge as he can. No uh, better place to be. Yeah, exactly. Too bad he's not going to learn anything. But uh, uh, Courtney wants to know too. Uh, no Arizona talk tonight. Yeah, Tubelis was was dominant tonight. Mm-hmm. Absolutely do- And they it's finished. Like, they finished while we were live. Yeah, I feel like Tubelis they, has gone under the radar. Where we we pumped up Pella Larson, we we've talked about other guys and and not even like, but I feel like Tubelis, he fell off last year because I thought he was banged up and hurt and he was he was not good, Brained his ankle, right? Yeah, and like I don't know if he ever got back, but it's funny nobody ever used it as an excuse, not him, not the staff, nobody. It was like he didn't play well and he took total accountability for it. And my take, of, like he is a tough mfer, and I don't know. I feel like he could average eighteen and ten this year, and it wouldn't surprise me. He he could be the Pac-12 Player of the Year, and it would not shock me. Again, they probably have to to beat UCLA and maybe Oregon uh, to win the Pac-12 title. But Tubelas, to me is a beast. Yeah, uh,
1: tubelos had twenty three seven and six assists. I think he had twenty six and five in the first half. Umar Balo had 18-9 tonight. Pella Larson, 16-10, yeah. four assists. And your boy, Adama Ball, off the bench with a 14 spot, hit three threes. Not bad. Not a He's bad good. night. For Adama them.
2: Ball's got talent.
1: Yeah, not a bad night. It's I, I wonder if this is going to start turning into something like what Few has going at Gonzaga in the sense that you're just, it's going to be a constant stream of players. Like it's not really going to matter who leaves. There's always going to be a guy that's ready to go. That's going to step up and be, be ready to have an impact.
2: Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, listen, he, he did a great job with them last year and, and uh, they're, they're the type of team that, that's scary because they've now got a culture and uh, and they've got enough balance.
1: Um, all right, I think we have one last guest joining us here. This is the reason why we've been uh we've been waiting. Dagan, if you want to bring him in, it's uh I believe we have Keontae Johnson, Kansas State Star.
3: All right, perfect.
2: We we do this on the fly, so you guys gotta bear with us, but this one will be worth it because uh yes. my opinion. This is the best story of the day. Uh, and Keontae, can you hear us? Yes, sir. Keontae, Jeff Goodman, Rob Doster here. Listen, nothing made me happier than watching you. Of all the games, of everything that happened today, I will tell you the best thing was seeing you on the court and, and doing your thing tonight. So uh, I really
5: appreciate you for saying that.
2: Congrats, man. Congrats. So take me to like what it was like tonight. I mean, I don't know if, any of us thought this day was going to come for you to get cleared, for you to get out there and find a team and be out there and doing, you know, again, what you were doing in Florida. Take me through your emotions today when you walked out on that court.
5: Um, Really, when I started actually when they call my name out and getting ready for tip-off, um, I feel like all my emotions had finally hit. Um, I see my mom in a crowd crying. She was sitting, like, right under the basket. So I seen her, and it, it hit me that I was, like, finally – being able to do the thing that I love to do, and once the game started going, then I just started feeling more comfortable. The crowd was great tonight. so soon I hit my first shot, everybody in there was just yelling. So, and that's why yeah, I seen—I guess—seen a big smile on my face, and it was just my teammates. Everybody just loved my like, showing how much they care and how much my um, work I put in. It just carried over today.
1: Did you? Did you really believe that this moment was going to happen again? Because I, I think Jeff said this, right? I, a lot yeah. of us felt like this was not something that we were going to see. There, there, was there, was there ever a point that you gave up hope that this, that, that you could get back on the court and play college basketball again?
5: Um, I wouldn't say I gave up hope, but it was times where I just thought like I wouldn't um, be here. like I wouldn't get another opportunity. Um, just going to the doctor's appointment and hearing the doctor saying I'm not going to be clear. And it's just, I just never gave up hope. I always went to go get more opinions and different options from other doctors. And that's why I feel like um, when other doctors start saying good reports, that's what kept getting me going and just to pursue my best. So I never, I wouldn't never say I gave up hope, but I definitely, it was a time where I thought I would never be out here again, playing college basketball.
2: What what percentage do you think you're at now? Like this is your first game back in a couple of years. I assume you're nowhere near what you were when, when, when you were back balling at Florida.
5: Um I'd probably say I'm at sixty, sixty five, seventy right now. I'm just um still trying to get the flow of the game. Um and everybody was saying like my whole teammates would keep saying I'm back. Like they feel like well I know how I was playing at Florida, the high level I was playing. So I'll probably say like sixty, sixty five percent right now. Yeah,
2: they they didn't see you then.
5: Yeah, right. Right?
2: Your teammates yeah. now did not see you then.
5: Yes, yeah, right. But it must I mean be nice I feel like be I've been I've been working on my game. I'm just shooting it better than what I was at Florida. So I'm just showcasing that But just once I get everything else to carry along, then I feel like I'll be fine.
1: It must be nice to be 70% of yourself and still get uh still get 13 in your first game back in uh, in two years, man. <laughs> <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> um, I get, I, get, I
5: I'll, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying thank you, appreciate you.
1: So I, I gotta I gotta ask you about Coach Tang, because I know that he's worked with players that have had heart issues before. So, what is what has that relationship been like between the two? You do you find support in him? Um, is there? It feels like that's kind of a bond that's been built between you guys.
5: Um, Coach Tang, he's a great guy. I mean, he's real energetic. Um, he always talks talk to me before practice, after practice, make sure I'm fine, um, and just just like more comfortable with him. Just knowing that he dealt with players the same way. The, the same um, thing that I had, and just knowing like that you have a lot of people on the coaching staff, including Coach Tang and Luke, our trainer. Just knowing that they care for you, making sure the right, I get the right treatment and everything before and after practice. So I feel like I, um, I feel like he's like a great guy, just staying on top of me and making sure I'm healthy um, during the game today. He was asking me, like, "Am I good?" I would tell him like, "Yeah." Like he always gonna make sure I'm you know, fine. Or he won overdo anything to put me in a situation like that again
2: he's high energy isn't he
5: yes sir i love it
2: high high energy imagine him and scott drew together Together, those two were out of their minds how much (laughs) hey how how hard was the decision i know you had the insurance policy and all that how hard was that decision to come back obviously your love for the game supersedes everything else. You could see that yes, with the decision you made and how much fun you have even tonight getting out there. But
5: how difficult was the decision? Um, i say it was difficult at times, just like when I was going to the doctor's department when they said I wasn't going to be able to play and it was like my mind was set, like, okay, if I do this, then I could go ahead and start being a coach. I mean, Coach White had me saying I could be one of his GAs and stuff like that, just hearing hear other options from different coaches. And then – after a while, I was just knowing when I got clear, it was just it was easier for me to decide because obviously the doctors dealt with people that I had the same thing that I had, so they know they know what's good for me, what's best, and if they saying that I'm good and people around me feel comfortable with me playing the game, then I might as well just keep playing the game I love and just better myself to get on the league, and then hopefully I make more than what that insurance policy was.
2: Yeah, I mean, you look at Jared Butler, right? I mean, there there's yeah. one that. Obviously, I'm sure you you talk to either him or people around him, and yeah. right, and and you see him in the league. So I'm sure that gives you even more confidence. Yeah, definitely.
5: It. Yeah, I mean, Dallas telling me it's a lot of people in the league, like it's disclosure. but just knowing that like it's people in the league with the same stuff going through it—that's what another thing that gave me hope to keep going. So when did you lose
2: it before the game? Did you lose it after the game at all, or was it more jubilation after the game?
5: Uh, what do you mean by lose it? lose it like crying like like oh just- no, no no I never um uh, no I never dropped the tear it was like I was about before the game I probably say like right before tip-off I was just sitting there thinking like just while wow, I made it I made it here this far like two years it's been a long time never would have thought I got here so just just like trying to hold in emotion because I don't even I didn't want to we were finna get ready to play so I couldn't like just start crying on the court but Definitely. I mean, once I started going, then it, all the emotions just went away, and just I just felt free again.
1: All listen. right, I got I got one last question for you, Keontae, and my okay. uh, my my co-host would be very upset with me. His name is Terrence Oglesby. He's been talking about Naquan Tomlin nonstop for about the last three months. He had fourteen and eight tonight in nineteen minutes. Tell me about this kid, because Jeff
5: Jeff doesn't believe hey, me. I'm telling definitely. him he's a player. Jeff doesn't listen. Yeah, to no, me. no, no, he's definitely that. Actually, my roommate. He he ain't there here. He's all. Um, he's definitely gifted. Like real six, nine, six, ten. Can move like guard. Can defend. Athletic. Can shoot. Like anything you ask him for, he can really do it. I mean, he hasn't. He only played basketball for. I think he started playing basketball two years ago for the first time. Like actual, Damn. like five on five collegiate basketball. So for him to do that two years ago, and then playing how he's playing now is just, like real inspiring, just knowing like that he's really gifted and he he can go places for sure
2: well listen we we really appreciate you jumping on this like I said man this I know it made your night it made a lot of our night seeing you out there and seeing you smiling and seeing you now and just uh keep having fun man keep playing the yeah, game definitely. you love because you know what it's like to get it taken away and I'm sure you appreciate it more than ever right now
5: yes sir no definitely I appreciate y'all taking the time to interview me for night
2: you got it. You got it. There Thanks, Keontae.
5: Keontae. Thank you. Um,
2: former Florida Gator, now with Kansas State, and making the uh, the Wildcats a little relevant now, which I kind of like, Rob. I like having Kansas State relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's better for that Kansas rivalry.
1: The Octagon of real. Doom, man. The Octagon oh. of Doom. When that when I that place, there. yeah, when Frank Martin had that place rolling, that place was loud when they won. I, I'm. I, I'm going to keep saying is when Bruce Weber in 2019 won the big 12, uh, that place was rocking. So they, they love, they love their home. That wasn't
2: fun this. seeing him tonight. Like that yeah. was, a, that was I'm telling you, that was a story of the night. We yeah. had the stories of the night. Think about what we had tonight. We had Keontae Johnson. We had John Shire. We had Stetson Donnie Jones.
1: And we had Robbie Hummel coming on, questioning you about why he has to do a podcast.
2: That, look, come on, Robbie. We're <laughs> grinding on. it here.
1: Get it to okay. Doug. Just be look, careful. Look, be I, I Careful just, driving, Robbie. Yeah, don't crash. Don't crash. Dagan Hughes came here straight off of producing the Field of 12 After Dark. If he can do two shows back-to-back. You
2: know what the problem is, will find Austin, a way
1: to do a podcast.
2: Dustin, the problem is Hummel hasn't worked two straight days since, <laughs> since last April. Since the beginning hey, of April. Hey, when hey, he did three-on-three.
1: You know, that is that's not that's that's not fair because he played 36 holes of golf <laughs> today and that's hard. You have that's to walk. Yeah, you have very to difficult. very course, difficult. Right. He got he burned. A, he got a, he got a steps in. You got to steps in on day. Well, listen, this has been the first uh edition of the year. The field of 68 after dark was fun. It was awesome. We got into the afters, and we already have Dagan Hughes, our producer, yelling at us about it. it's time to wrap. That's when you know the field of 68 after dark is. In I didn't full even swing. give my
2: I didn't even give my toast of the night.
1: Who all right? Go ahead. Let's do it real quick. You got 15 know, my toast, seconds.
2: My toast of the night. Uh Luke Brown. I mean, from Stetson. Like that, that you you beat Florida State. You started Stetson, you transferred out, you came back, and uh, that, that's that's one hell of a performance, my man. My
1: toast of the night is going out to everybody watching this right now because we're back, baby. Field of 68 after dark is back. I couldn't be more excited. So for Jeff Goodman, for our producer Dagan Hughes, my name is Rob Doster. This has been the Field of 68.
4: MyPatriotSupply.com